We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And baby! Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alan Gold. I'm joined today by Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, we got some fun stuff going on today. We got some trivia, but we also got to talk about this road trip the Pacers are about to embark on. Six games on the road without Tyrese Halliburton. It is not going to be easy. No, it's not. And at first, I wanted to call it a West Coast road trip, but it actually starts with Atlanta. So yeah. it's, it's not going to be an easy stretch. We want to kind of break down what expectations could be over these six games, but this is a pivotal stretch because if you remember right when Tyrese went down last year, Pacers fell apart. That stretch ruined the whole season. They lost 11 out of 12. Yes, we have taken down the Washington Wizards as the first game without Tyrese, but those six games on that road trip is going to tell us a lot about this Pacers team, especially without their franchise player. Well, here's a good thing, Fachi. They're 22 and 15 heading into the road trip. If they lose all six games, they'll still be a game above 500. So they cannot go under 500 after the road trip. However, I do think there's some winnable games here. I do think that without Tyrese Halliburton, yeah, it's going to be difficult. But the good news is Tyrese is able to travel with the team. And the trainers that's going to be working with him during his rehab will be with the team traveling as well. So that is why they elected to allow him to 
go with the team instead of staying back in Indianapolis for the next, you know, 10 plus days, whatever it is. So it's really just a great thing to have him there for just team morale, team spirit. I think it's going to be necessary to have his set of eyes on the bench where he's able to kind of see things. And we, we noticed that last year, how Tyrese, when he was out, was able to kind of see things a little bit differently when he came back. And I think that it'll just give him a different perspective to kind of see some different things maybe from that from the coach's side almost of things um, sitting there on the bench. But I, I'm i just glad that the Pacers were able to get that win against the Wizards. It was definitely a game they needed to win, knowing that Washington's not a tough opponent and and knowing this gauntlet of the schedules coming up. So let's, let's just kind of kick things off here with the Hawks on Friday night. This is a team the Pacers just obliterated a week ago. They beat them 150 to 116, and it was really not even that close. So this is a Hawks team that looks like they could be headed towards a rebuild. How do you feel about this game? I'm not going to say I feel over the top great because we have beaten the Hawks twice this year. We've scored an average of 153.5 points. Say it again. In those two games, 153.5 points. I mean, I'm not expecting that. I'm not expecting a franchise record 50 assists or anything like that. It's going to be a different team without Tyrese Halliburton, but I think that we've seen a much better Pacers defensive team from the first time we played Atlanta when we gave up, you know, 153 points to last time just 116, which for the Pacers is really good. So Atlanta, they are, um, it's not going well for them. So I believe that they lost at the time we're recording this. Uh, so they're actually 6-15 and 15 over their last 21 games. They, they give the 76ers up- in overtime on Wednesday night, just so you know. Uh, that now it is a correction as we record this. They are seven and fourteen over their last twenty-one games. I just I knew that game was going to overtime. I just assumed they lost, but uh because they've been playing rough lately. But they actually they give up the fourth most points per game in the NBA. This is this is not gonna be easy, but I also feel that this is a game the Pacers could win. They've defended Trey Young very well in the last matchup. I hope they can do it again. I mean, Rick Carlisle talked about it after the Hawks game, like in, in Indianapolis. Like we, you know, we we handed it to him. We were really putting it on offensively, and they're gonna remind, they're gonna be remembered of that or reminded of that, excuse me, this Friday. And so it's going to be one of those games where they won't forget it and they're gonna come ready to attack. That's one way to look at it, but it's also, like you said, another way to look at it as this team is not playing well. And DeJounte Murray looks like a guy that's playing for a new team, a guy that's playing Definitely. for a team to trade for him. And I feel like it's kind of similar to when Karis LeVert was going off before he got traded from the Pacers to the Cavaliers. Not that it's a bad thing because the Pacers needed LeVert to do that, but you know, DeJounte Murray, the Trey Young experience did not work out. Quinn Snyder basically is just saying like, okay, we got to figure something out here because there's a lot of, you know, misfits on this team and it wasn't just the John Collins problem. So I think we can maybe say that John Collins wasn't as bad as people acted like he was, but don't think he was worth the contract that he got either. So this is a no. this is a team the Pacers can beat without any question. And I think it's a, a team that they need to beat on this road trip because there's a lot of tough games and getting things started off with a victory against a team that you know you can play with, even without Tyrese Halliburton dishing out 18 assists in 25 minutes, you've got TJ McConnell, you've got Andrew Nimhart that can, you know, pass the ball around and find the open guy. And this Hawks defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. So the Pacers are going to be able to get their points offensively, but it's going to be more about the defensive side of things. And if they're able to kind of contain Trey Young, because if Trey Young gets hot, it's going to be a tough one. 
then one thing about not having Tyrese is it does make this team a little bit more defensive-minded with Drew, with Bruce in the backcourt. So I think that does help the Pacers a little bit in terms of getting better defensively. However, they're still going to have their hands full if either of those guys or both of them get hot early on. And there's always the risk of Trey Young catching fire any any night. Any night he could be pulling up from almost a logo and letting it fly. And any night he could also have a rough shooting night like the previous matchup. So we'll see what happens. But I, I do think that DeJounte Murray, yeah, he he's he'll be playing in this game, but I don't think he'll be a hawk past the trade deadline. Looks like Atlanta's gonna be probably sellers compared to buyers. One player, not even to go off on this, is one player that I totally even forgot about that they said fell out of the rotation and could be a name to be traded is A.J. Griffin. I mean, A.J. Yeah. Griffin, remember when there was rumors that Indiana could be taking him, you know, instead of Ben Matherin? I just feel like, look at that now, that it's like, I do believe that A.J. Griffin is a better player than what he's shown, but going into year two, it's it's not even close. I just feel that Matherin's potential is far higher than A.J. Griffin, and it's just crazy that a year later, you forget about guys like A.J. Griffin and Dyson Daniels that very well could have been the pick over Matherin. So I'm I'm happy how things turned out. And for Atlanta, I think uh, that's a team, Alex, while we're on the subject, you were very high on Atlanta. You've jumped off the bandwagon. Obviously. Please tell me you've jumped off. Okay, I, mean, I just want to make sure yeah, you're this not is, still driving that. This is what happens when you get excited during preseason stuff and, and think about teams. And I just saw how well Atlanta played against Boston in the playoffs. And I thought Quinn Snyder was really going to be the difference maker there for that team because of what he Good did coach. with Utah. Like, yeah. they definitely exceeded expectations when he was with the Jazz, and we kind of saw how that group fell apart whenever he left. And they traded Gobert, they traded Mitchell, and they had to go a different direction. But I thought, okay, DeJounte and Trey, they can be really deadly, and you get Jalen Johnson more of an opportunity. I thought they would trade Capella, get a Kongwu in there a little bit more. And, you know, Bogdanovich is still, I think he's actually the leading scorer off the bench this year in the entire NBA. So like 17.4 points per game, something like that. So he's been killing it. I just thought this is, this is a solid team that I think he can maximize their talent. But unfortunately, it's been the complete opposite. And I think they're kind of what I think some people thought the Pacers would do when Carlisle was brought in was kind of like right the ship. It's more like, no, we got to make some trades and restructure this roster. And I think that's why I've been so uh, adamant about kind of comparing those two with their rebuilds because I don't think it's going to be a full-on rebuild for Atlanta, but it could yeah. be a couple of steps back. And I don't think they'll trade Trey. I'd be kind of shocked if they, they do, but I think they should consider it just because it does limit them a little bit in terms of how they want to play. And, and that kind of is how I felt about what the Pacers with Sabonis. They were only able to play a certain way with him on the roster. So if they can find a deal that makes sense to move off of him, I would consider it. But yeah, um, don't want to get too much on like an Atlanta Hawks trade rumor yeah. stuff or you know trade. Yeah trade path but they're just a team that really has underperformed from what i think not just me but a lot of people probably thought atlanta would be better than this definitely i so. think everybody this is the worst case scenario for them and when we were looking at the path to the playoffs for the pacers and who could be falling out you needed a team like atlanta to yeah. fall out for the pacers to have a chance and i just feel that um the pacers could be buyers atlanta could be sellers i don't see the hawks being able to rebound from this and turn this season around. But the next matchup that we have, uh, which is going to be this Sunday, is against the reigning champions and the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic, and the Denver Nuggets. Alex, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Do we get a special Bruce Brown game? Because he will be getting his championship ring in this one. He will be. He will be. That, I, that's I, the I only hope, he hope I have. Revenge now game. Look, the Nuggets will be at home 
for two games. This will be the last game of their two-game homestand. They'll be playing the Pelicans at home. When the Pelicans are playing pretty good basketball right now, they have about a similar record to the Pacers. They're both 22 and 15. And then after that, the Nuggets go on a road trip. They've got a, a pretty good, pretty like five five-game road trip out on the East Coast. They've got the Sixers, the Celtics, the Wizards, then us again, then the Knicks. So that's some tough games right there. Could they overlook Indiana without Tyrese Halliburton on a 3.30 tip-off on Sunday afternoon in Denver? I think it's possible. I don't think the Pacers win this game because I think Nikola Jokic is just too much for this team. But I do think that this is going to be an interesting game just because of the early tip-off time and and how that's all going to play out. But, yeah, I mean, the Nuggets right now on ESPN are projected to win this game 74.7% chance of winning. So, no doubt in my mind they're going to win this game. I'd be shocked if the Pacers won it. But I'm chalking this one up as a loss, Flash. Yeah, I'm going to chalk it up as a loss as well. Look, here's the thing. They're 15-4 and four at home. Denver yeah. is a really good home team. Good point. They have arguably the best player in the NBA. And they also give up the third fewest points per game in the NBA. So there's a lot of good things going from the ball movement is fantastic. They're second in NBA in assists behind just us. But we obviously don't have uh, you know the engine. We don't have Tyrese Halliburton. So that, that, that changes things for us. They actually turn it over the fewest in the NBA. Mm. So I think that there's a lot of things that Denver does well. And I think that the Pacers will be overmatched in this game because it's not a fully healthy Indiana squad. So I do unfortunately feel that this is a loss because it's a tall task. But, you know, for Denver, like you mentioned, they're going on a road trip. Could 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 they rest someone? I don't know. But if we're hoping for someone to, to rest, it, it's not a good sign. No, it's not. Then the Pacers have a very difficult back-to-back because they're traveling the next night to Utah. Now, it is nice that they have an early tip-off and they play Utah a little bit later, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time tip-off there. So that's not the worst start time for the Pacers, and it gives them a little bit of extra time to travel and get used to the altitude a little bit by playing in, in Denver the night before. But it's just going to be a tough back-to-back, and we can't overlook how good the Jazz have been playing of, of late. Right now, we're recording this Wednesday night around 10.30. They're currently up by 10 points on the Nuggets wow. at home. They started out a uh, six-game home stretch here. So, you know, the Jazz are going to be loving that. But look at this re- these recent wins, Fachi. They beat the Mavericks 127-90. to one, uh, to 90. They had a thrilling overtime win against the Pistons, which was just a crazy game. They got dominated by Boston. But then, to close it out, they beat the 76ers on the road 120-109 to 109, and then beat the Jazz by 16 points on Monday. And I think they even had like a 30-point lead at half. The, the Bucks fans were booing them off the court, basically. So for, for the way that Utah's been playing, everybody thought they might be sellers. But they're sitting here around 500, and I think this is going to be a very difficult matchup for the Pacers, despite the record. Not really showing that they're a great team, but I think they're really capable of beating anybody. It is, Yeah, I, I agree with you, Beast. You look at Utah and the idea of Utah, like, ah, they're not trying to really win anything. They're 18 and 20. You mentioned some of those games. They're actually 11-4 and four over their last 15 games. Mm. You mentioned the good teams, the good playoff teams that they've beaten. But also, hey, if they win today, you're talking about being 12-4 over your last 16. That's not what people are expecting. So I think that Utah, they're, they're, they're going for it. This is a team, though, that on the season, they shoot the sixth worst field goal percentage. They're a rough three-point shooting team. But they are a top three rebounding team. So they they do have some strengths, but I think that 
what they've done over the last 15 games is almost like the tale of two seasons. Like mm -hmm. this is a totally different Utah team. And I think that they will be ready to play. If they continue to play the way that they're playing right now, over these last few games, the Pacers are, are absolutely going to have their hands full. And out of this six game road trip, this is one of those games that you really hope the Pacers can take care of business because it really doesn't get much easier. No, it doesn't because the Pacers will have their only two day rest after this game, Tuesday, Wednesday, before they head to Sacramento to play Buddy Hill's former team, the Sacramento Kings. Everybody knows Buddy's disdain for Sacramento. And, of course, Tyrese Halliburton will not be able to play in this game. We talked about that, that one hurts. you know, a couple of days ago, how difficult that is going to be for Tyrese not to be able to play in this game. But the Kings are 23-14. and 14, And an interesting stat, Fachi, I'm going to throw at you. 21-2 when they shoot 35% or greater from three. Sheesh. I mean, 35%. I mean, that's not even like talking about, hey, no. they shoot 40%. 35 is is below average. So it, it's like at that point, hey, wow, that, that says a lot about this Kings team. When that three-point ball is even halfway decent, they're taking that game. I know. So that's that's what I think makes me a little nervous. Sacramento is a very tough environment to play in. But will the Pacers get up for this one? Because I know it's Tyrese's former team. And, and try to win this one for him. Buddy Hill could go off, have a good game. I mean, I'm not going to say the Kings are a team that we can't beat because I think their defense allows for teams to beat them because they're not that great defensively this year. So I don't know if you have any defensive numbers up for them or not, but I don't have any currently. But, you know, this is a team that was down by like 20 points to the Pistons on, on Tuesday night. They ended up rallying behind a huge triple donut from DeMontis Sabonis, but they got obliterated by the King, uh, by the Pelicans on the road or at home by 33 points just about five days ago. So this is a team that I think is kind of up and down all year long. They lost to the Hornets at home to start the year. Um, they beat the Magic by three. They beat the Raptors by five. They're they're a team that's really they played at the level of their competition, similar to Indiana, and that's why I think that maybe without Halliburton they do overlook Indiana and don't get up for the game as much, but. You never want to count on that. I, I think it's going to be a tough one, but I think the Pacers have to win one of those three games against Denver, Utah, and Sacramento. I think you got to win that Utah game. Uh, I think that's going to be a hostile environment in Sacramento, or at least last year it really was. Like I felt like last year that crowd was – it was a rowdy crowd. I feel like Tyrese was being way too aggressive trying to make a statement. I do feel for him that he's not going to be playing in this game. Uh, but Sacramento, you mentioned 23 and 14, but just seven and five over their last 12. So they have been inconsistent. So there is a chance that you could catch them and, and be able to steal one in Sacramento. Sabonis right now, I think once again, an under the radar player who's playing really, really well. And I know under the radar sounds pretty wild, but this man leads the NBA in rebounds. I know it's not the sexiest thing because he's done that a few times, but you know, De'Aaron Fox is is a beast. He's sixth in the NBA in scoring. So that one-two punch right there is very, very good. And then Malik Monk was one of the best players off the bench last year. So you never want to count this Sacramento team, uh, you know, short by any means because they are still holding it down in the West. They are very much a playoff team, I believe, as of now we're recording. They're the fifth seed. So I just feel that it's going to be a tall task, but it is one that I think the Pacers could win but you really got to bring your A game in that game because it will not be easy. The crowd will be rowdy. And for Buddy Heald, it's almost like if Buddy's the X factor and he's got it going and he's giving you 20-plus, you do stand a chance. If you're going to get the Buddy that you got against Washington who went you know scoreless from the field, 
it, it's going to be it's going to be a long night. I feel like every time we have these long road trips, the Pacers always win a game you don't expect them to. Exactly, they'll win one of these. They will. I think they beat Sacramento. I I'm calling it now. I'm going to go ahead and just say it early. I think they probably lose back to back to Denver and Utah, and then come back after two days rest and beat Sacramento in Sacramento. Win it for Ty. It's going to be an emotional win. I think that's my gut feeling on this one right now, just because I think they might take it more personal than Sacramento will at this point. But it could be another Chris Duarte revenge game, too. So we'll see. Oh, maybe. man. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Chris Duarte has been starting, too, for the Kings. So, you know, Kevin Herter has been kind of out of the rotation. Maybe Chris Duarte can slap some shots off the backboard like he did for us the last awesome. season. You know, that'd be that'd be helpful. But then this is a game I think everybody is kind of penciling in as a win for the Pacers because they really need it. And that's on the road Friday night of this road trip against Portland, a team that is just 10 and 26, a team that actually took a victory from yeah, Indiana in Indianapolis. This is when the Pacers have to get back on the road. Um, they've played OK in, in Portland, but they've had a lot of struggles there trying to beat a Dame Lillard led offense. But there's no Dame no more, and I think this is an opportunity for the Pacers to get another victory when they really need We're not going to say this is a must win, but you have to have this game. And I know it sounds like a must win, but if you're on this six-game road trip, there's not that many easy games. Like The Hawks might not have a good record, but you could beat them. But are you going to beat them three times, you know, all three times so far this year? I don't know. Maybe. Portland, you have to beat. And I think the Pacers have done a good job making adjustments against teams that they have already played or lost to on the year. And Portland is a, they are one of the lowest scoring teams in the NBA. They average 108 points per game, which I have right in front of me, second to last in the NBA. Behind only the Memphis Grizzlies, that also beat us. Charlotte Hornets are just ahead of them who beat us and the Chicago Bulls who beat us. So it's actually weird we've lost to the bottom four teams in scoring in the NBA. But I think that Portland, I think it was a fluke when we lost to them last time. I do think the Pacers will handle business. And you never really know what type of Portland team you're going to get. But the big thing is going to be, are you going to let Jeremy Grant just walk all over you like he did last game? Last game, Jeremy Grant absolutely destroyed the Pacers and got everything he wanted. I think the Pacers are a better defensive team since the last time we played Port uh, played Portland, so I think we will make the adjustments. Yeah, and I think Malcolm Brogdon was really good in that game too against was, Indiana. Like you know, he just had some so. timely baskets, and it was like, really? <laughs> got to watch this? This makes me sick to my stomach. And, it it yeah. did make me sick. I think so. Brogdon put the Pacers away at the end of the game, which I know he loved, but uh, for us – it was a little we bit painful. Him to a team to win a championship. He shouldn't be uh, mad at us. He shouldn't be, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I still feel like, like – I, I felt watching Brogdon that night that he was like, oh, man, I just want to just destroy them. So in that game, the Pacers only scored 110 points, which yeah. is horrific for the Pacers' standard. So all of a sudden, you know, Portland was, was really playing some good defense, really stifling the Pacers. Uh, that was a game where Halliburton had 33 points. Nine assists on 11 of 17 shooting, so you ain't going to have that. But when I'm looking at this now, our second leading score was three players with 11. Yeah, it was So bad it, it was, was just night. a bad night for the Pacers, and I think that we'll have strength in numbers. I wouldn't be surprised if the Pacers have, you know, seven guys, seven, eight guys score, you know, close to 15 or at least double figures, and I do think that we'll walk away with a win. 
Yeah, and then the Pacers will close out the road trip against a, a Phoenix Suns team that's really been up and down all year, Fachi. Have yet to really get their footing. They've got Kevin Durant. they got Devin Booker. They've got Bradley Beal whenever he's healthy. It's a team that's really just kind of been you know, trying to figure themselves out. And we know this team has also been very active trying to get TJ McConnell from Indiana, but they don't have much to trade, and they pretty much forfeited all their assets by going all in on Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and, and you know, basically a six-month period. And I think they might have a little bit of buyer's remorse with that Bradley Beal trade. You know, you get a new owner in there and things really can kind of change things up. But this is a team that has not played particularly well. They ended up they ended 2023 with three straight victories over the Rockets, Hornets, and Magic. Some pretty good teams. But then since then, they've kind of played 500 basketball. Beat Portland, lost to the Clippers, beat the Heat, lost to the Grizzlies. Uh, they got smashed once again by the Clippers. So I think that they're going to be a team that, you know, they're going to be able to beat the Pacers for sure, no doubt about it. They're going to be favored in this game. There's no doubt about it. But I think this is also a game, even though it's the last one of the road trip, that Indiana could fight and compete and pull one out. I don't think that the Suns are unbeatable. They're not unbeatable. And you can make an argument that Phoenix might be the most disappointing team this year. Mm -hmm. On paper, they have stars. They have quite a few all-stars. This is a team that was built to win an NBA Finals and nothing short of it. And right now, at 19 and 18, I mean, no one's really scared of Phoenix, but at some point they will wake up. They've had random stretches on the year where there was a stretch where they won, I think it was seven games in a row. Then recently they won four out of five. But even some of those games were against Charlotte, Portland, like you're not you're not worried about that. The Pacers have pulled upsets on this year. They have beat Boston twice. They have beat Milwaukee four times. They've beat Philly. They have a lot of quality wins that when you talked about before, the Pacers are going to win a game, but you don't expect them to win. Could it be this one? Yeah. It very well could. For some reason, I might feel better about this Phoenix game than I do uh, uh, about Sacramento. Yeah, There's I feel the same way. There's something about that Sacramento game I don't feel great about, um, and, and I don't feel good about that Denver game at all. I, I yeah. am chalking those up as losses, but I think that you handle business against Portland. I would love to be able to take down Atlanta. That Jazz game feels like a, a major toss-up. And then for Phoenix, I I, I don't want to say that it's impossible to beat them at all because many teams have beat them. They have 18 losses. This is a Pacers team that has outperformed Phoenix on the year. I mean, the, right now, Indiana has been a surprise. Phoenix has been a disappointment, but you never know what type of Phoenix team you're going to get. And to your point on Bradley Bill before, this is a man with a no trade clause averaging 16 points per game. I mean, that is buyer's remorse right there. How many games has he played? Like five? Not enough. The starting lineup has not played together, but at, at the same point, and that is not what Phoenix thought. They were trading for. I know they didn't technically give up much, but in terms of what he's paid, he's paid handsomely. Really hope Frank Vogel's not the fall guy once again. You know, Frank Vogel gets attached to all these really good organizations that are making these big, you know, big moves. You know, you look at the Lakers team that he went to when they got Anthony Davis, and then he gets hired by the Suns when they have Kevin Durant. It's like, okay, everybody loves Frank Vogel, but man, his teams, I feel like, always use him as the scapegoat for why they can't succeed. But you brought up those six games. We talked about them at, you know, at, at length here. But what is the best case scenario in terms of record-wise for this Pacers team? 
going on the road in this six-game road trip? And what is the worst-case scenario? What do you think are realistic options for this team? Best-case scenario is 4-2. and two. I think that if the Pacers really bring is it realistic? their A game. Yeah, realistic, 3-3. Three and three. But you think you think they could go four and two realistically? I think that's the best case scenario. I think I'm just saying, do you feel like that that is a realistic achievement they could do? That nah, coming off this Washington game, even though we won, no, I don't. <laughs> I think that if the Pacers play better, <laughs> four and two has a shot. But I think that if you go three and three over this stretch, you say, all right, you know what? Hey, that's good. That means without Tyrese, you know, since he went down, the Pacers are going, you know, four and three. On that stretch, and that is not collapsing the season like what happened last year when Tyrese went down. So give me three and three, and I'm really not going to complain. What about you? Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like the safe bet is three and three here on the road trip with the wins probably feeling most likely to come against Atlanta, Utah, and Portland. Portland. But I think that it's going to be, I think it's going to be a little bit different than we expect, which I've already hinted at. So I, I do feel like three and three is what, feels right and if they can do that on this road trip that's amazing if they even go two and four on this road trip i wouldn't consider it a great win but it definitely isn't a loss being able to win 33 percent of your games on this road trip without tyrese halliburton feels pretty darn good to me considering that all these teams could easily beat the paces if things fall right for them so it's not like there's any like cupcake matchups for this team even portland is capable of beating indiana we've seen that already this season however I don't think it's unrealistic to think this team could win four games of the six. I think that that this schedule is weird, but I do think that it's possible. I think they could beat Utah. I think they could beat Atlanta. And I think they could beat Portland and Phoenix. I know I have them beating the the, the Kings. (laughs) And when I talked about, like, I think it's going to be a hot take, but I, I feel the same way as you. Like to me, it doesn't feel like on paper, this is a team they should beat, but yeah, I I definitely think they're going to get one. That we don't expect. Like it would not shock me if they win against Sacramento and lose to Portland. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Is what I hope doesn't happen. Where yes. you you come off of such a high and and then you you lose to a team that you're like, wait, what? And that's how the Pacers have been this year. Yeah, they they have struggled against teams that they are far better than because maybe they don't get up for the game or not. But I, I definitely could see that happening. I just hope it doesn't because if you could yeah. beat Sacramento or Phoenix. You can definitely beat Portland. So please just yes. handle business. Yeah. It's like you feel like, oh, we beat Atlanta, we lose to Denver, then we end up beating Utah. Okay, what's happened with the Kings? We beat you know, we beat the Kings. We're like, man, we went through our last four on the road. Then you fall to Portland. It feels like the sky's falling. And then you close out the road trip beating the Phoenix Suns, go forward and two. And you're just like, wow, that was pretty impressive. You know, you hate the loss of Portland. We should have won five and one. <laughs> Everyone's gonna say that. Uh of but you know, it's 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 going to be a tough thing. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a tall task, and I'm excited to see what happens. But, Fachi, I think that's good enough here for our little West Coast road trip preview. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will have on our Fans of the Week for Pacers trivia. You're not going to miss this one. We'll see how our guy Rooster faces off against Jake Exline. It's going to be a fun. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Pacer fans. Alex Golden here. I wanted to let you know about my new blog, The Blue and Golden. If you enjoy reading articles about the Pacers, then subscribe to my Substack, which is 100% free. You can find the blog at theblueandgolden.substack.com or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast. If you enjoy what you're reading on The Blue and Golden, please share the blog with your family and friends. Thanks for your support of not only this podcast, but my written work that can only be found on theblueandgolden.substack.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Ripple Bagel and Deli is the home of Indy's original steamed bagel sandwich. It's located in the heart of Broad Ripple, and they're family-owned and operated, proudly serving their customers for over 20 years. They pride themselves on quick, casual dining with over 100 different steamed bagel sandwich options. It truly is a staple in Indianapolis, and a can't-miss breakfast and lunch spot. Ripple Bagel and Deli offers a great friends and family atmosphere where you're always welcome to dine in and be a part of the family, or feel free to bypass any weight by conveniently ordering and paying for carryout ahead of time at RippleBagelDeli.com. Ripple Bagel and Deli also offers best-in-class catering anytime, anywhere, with a long list of customers ranging anywhere from law firms to drug reps to several different sports-related clients, including Butler, IUPUI, the Indianapolis Colts, and several visiting NFL teams. They pride themselves on their ability to satisfy all of your catering needs, no matter the occasion or event, and will customize your order, provide competitive pricing, and always deliver on time. Ripple Bagel Deli the home of Indy's original steamed bagel sandwich. All right, everybody, we are back and we are here for our fan of the week slash Pacers trivia brought to you by Ripple Bagel and Deli. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not been there, get down to Ripple Bagel and Deli and try this setting the pace sandwich, salami, turkey, pastrami, provolone on a garlic bagel with lettuce. It's it's really good, I'm telling you. You're going to have to get it. But today we've got Jake Xline and Evan, a.k.a. Rooster Barrett, Mr. Shrimp cocktail eating finalist himself and uh we're 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 ready for a show down here rooster's got his sunglasses on celebrating the pacers big dub over the wizards without tyrese halliburton and jake is is ready to you know compete against one of the legends of pacers twitter and roosters so jake how's it going man how are you i'm good alex thanks for having me absolutely man fachi uh talk to rooster for a little bit i feel bad that i'm hogging the mic here no i mean and hey, look, Rooster, we're excited to have you back on. I think every fan base needs a Rooster. This man is die hard. He puts on every single night for Pacer Nation. So we're happy to have you back. Rooster, how are you doing tonight? Wonderful. Love it. Wonderful. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Nobody hates the officials more than Rooster does. <laughs> yeah. Every time the Pacers are in a, in a bad situation, it's the referee's fault. I'm no, sorry. no, no. Expletives from Rooster all the time. It, it's not always the referee's fault. I like the referees the other night. We'll we'll t- we'll take some more of that. A, a <laughs> rare bone thrown our way, so we can't yeah. complain too much. 
Yeah. How many times have we had games where we're wondering about the last two minutes report and then it comes out and we're like, ah, first time. (laughs) Did you guys read that? I read some of it. They said that that it wasn't a foul on Porzingis against Mather. I know. They said that. Then then they said it was a foul on Buddy. Then they said there should have been a foul called on Turner. It was like, how many blown calls did you guys make? I feel like it's like they just talked about like three blown calls. It's like that's that's some pretty bad officiating right there. But I guess in this rare situation, hey, who are we to complain when we came out on top? Whatever we got to do to give LeBron more stuff to complain about. Yeah, exactly. All right, everybody, let's get into the Sorry. <laughs> let's let's get into trivia here, everybody. We are going to be discussing three different categories today. The first one is Buddy Hill. The second one is the Frank Vogel era. And the last one is free agent signings from 2003 to 2006. So we are going to have some fun with that. But, Jake, I'm going to have Fachi ask you the first question here in round one about Buddy Hill. So, Fachi, take it away. All right. Kicking off the Buddy Hield segment. What is Buddy Hield's career high in points with? The Pacers. Now, there's a hint. It was in February of 2022 against the Milwaukee Bucks. He hit 8 of 12 from 3. Here are the three choices. A, 36 points. B, 44 points. Or C, 31 points. Uh, I know his career high is 41, and that was with the Kings. Um, I'm going to say it's Pacers high. Give me give me the options one more time. A, 36 points. B, 44 points. Or C, 31 points. I'm going to go B, 36. So that, that was choice A, 36 points. But that, that's what you meant. You meant 36 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final answer? Final answer. That is correct. It was 36 points. Good process of elimination knowing the Kings career high be able to eliminate that but hey you are officially on the board and rooster it's it's on you now all right rooster let's see how you do here um what tv show did buddy hill's mother get his nickname buddy from hint this sitcom ran from 1987 to 1997 and the main characters were played by ed o'neill and katie siegel you want the you want the uh, choices? Oh no, no, no! That was married with children. <laughs> okay, that's and that's what were the stuff. parents' names on the show? Do you remember the parents? Yeah, Al and Peggy. And what was uh, their their kid's name? Was what? Uh, Bud and Kelly was the daughter, and Buck was the dog. Would you like the neighbors? <laughs> Let's go for it. Just tell us the whole cast. <laughs> Well, let's see. There was Marcy, and uh, yeah, Jefferson was her one husband. Steve was her other husband. Al drove a Dodge, so obviously he's a you know solid guy. All right. Yeah. So Bud Bundy was where they got the name, or where his buddy Hield's mother got the name, the nickname Buddy from. So uh, thought that was pretty interesting. I'm, I'm surprised you knew that one right off the bat. Was my hint too obvious? I knew it before the hint. I. When when we traded for Buddy, I was like, man, I don't know enough about this guy. So I Wikipedia'd him and basketball referenced him. And I'm like, Buddy, Shivano? Who the heck names their kid Shivano? And then I'm like, oh, well, how'd they get Bud? 
Or how'd they get Buddy? Oh, married with Joe. I love this guy. He's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great because some of those nicknames on basketball reference, they could be all over the place to the point where oh you're like, God. I have never heard anyone call this player that. But in this situation, obviously, Buddy, a little bit different. That is what he is known as. So we are all tied up after the first round at one apiece. Before uh, we move on, I got I to gotta tell you, Rooster, a little behind the scenes. I sent these questions to Fachi, and he said, man, that Married with Children one's going to be pretty hard. I said, I'm going to set it up so Rooster has to answer this one. And I said, I guarantee he knows it before the hint. I said, I oh, guarantee yeah. Rooster knows this. Oh, yeah. Pull Kai, baby. I'm, touchdowns. I'm glad he got that one. No, no. I mean, hey, good, good stuff. I mean, obviously, it's uh, you could watch the Pacers as much as you want, but some of these off the court questions, yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. But hey, great job, all tied up at one apiece. Before we move on to the next uh, category, which is the Frank Vogel era. <laughs> now, Alex, how do we want to do this? Do we want to switch it up? Or... Yeah, you ask Rooster this time. Mm-hmm. All right, Rooster, coming right at you. Here is the question: What season did Frank Vogel take over? As the interim coach of the Indiana Pacers. Ooh. Hint, it was the rookie season of Paul George. And here are the choices. Choice A, 2008 to 2009. Choice B, 2010 to 2011. Or choice C, 2011 to 2012. Oh, man. Give me the, give me the years again. Choice A, 2008 to 2009. Choice B, 2010 to 2011. Choice C, 2011 to 2012. It's 2008 to 2009. Final answer? I think so. That is incorrect. It was choice B, 2010 to 2011. Vogel took over for Jim O'Brien on January 30th, 2011. It was the year we went on to the playoffs against the Chicago Bulls. So, Should have been at 24 and 22 the rest of the way, I think. Yeah, they, they ended up finishing really good season, and that 2010 draft class also brought us Lance Stevenson. A little, uh, little extra right, maybe. You know, in the second round. So, all right. Well, Jake, you have a chance to take the lead over here. Alex, what question do we have? I mean, Rooster, you know about Married with Children and Buddy Hill's name, but you don't know when Frank Vogel was <laughs> when made the head coach. When do we start playing cheesy 90s sitcom trivia? Well, I, I, I'm up for that. Let's do that on another episode. But, but all right, let's go ahead, Jake, here. Um, Frank Vogel had one season with the Pacers where he had a record under 500. Which season was this? Do you need a hint? Um, I'm off choice, too, if you want it. I, I know which one. It was the one that Paul George was injured at, but that would have been – Well, you do have choices. Yes, I can. I really, yeah, go ahead, and get, go ahead and give me the choices as I'm yeah. rolling through the roll of ducks in my Yeah, so this was head. the final year that David West and Roy Hibbert were on the roster, and here are your choices. Was it 2014-2015, 2015-2016, 2015, or 2016-2017? It would have been 2014-2015, final answer. That is correct. So Jake takes a 2-1 lead over Mr. Sunglasses in the, in the light. Rooster, Rooster, since you're down, we'll go back to you, and I will let you pick. Do you want Fachi to ask you this next question, or would you like me to ask you the question? Ooh. On one hand, I want to go with Fachi over there, but, man. Over there. 
he won't even send a picture of him in his jersey. I don't even think he has it anymore. I don't know yeah, where it's at. He got burned in a sacrifice or something. Yeah, you never know. Um, he should have burned that when he uh tried to burn the curse, but maybe that's part of the reason the curse still exists. Curse yeah. needs to be burned. Oh, uh, we'll go with Fauci. What am I going to right. Well, here we go. The Pacers, this is the topic is free agent signings 2003 to 2006. The Pacers signed this international guard in the summer of 2005. Choice A, Zan Tabak. Choice B, Maceo Bastin. Choice C, Serunas Jesikavichis. Or choice D, Raul Marshall. Mm. Probably no hints, are there? There is no hints. It's a final round, Rooster. Think about it. God, I don't sounds the best. Zon to box sounds the best, but does it? I don't remember. Give me him again. All right, choice A. Zon to box. Choice B. Masio Baston. Choice C. Serunas Yesakavichis. <clears throat> or choice D. Raw Marshall. Raw Marshall. Final answer. It's so wrong. It's incorrect. It was Serunas Yesakavichis. He went undrafted in 1998, didn't make his way to the NBA until 2005. He had a killer Olympics. Remember, he played a season and a half before he was traded to the Golden State Warriors following, uh, you know, the, the, that brawl era. Um, Serenus just never lived up to the hype. Short NBA career. But I think over here, Jake, you have an opportunity to uh, to win it, right? He, he's already well, won. I've got a if you've got time, I've got a I've got a fun Trunus uh, story. If, what do you got? If you've got the time for it, oh, we got time. So Trunus, his first year was obviously uh, the year after the Mouse of the Palace, and the year that Reggie retired. So he was my first favorite Pacer post mm. Reggie Miller's retirement. It was a big um, deal signing to, at the time. It it, it was because he was supposed to be a sharpshooter that came in, and I, he, I think he was also married to Miss Galaxy or something like that, or Miss Universe. Um, so I went to a game with my dad and at the time, um, so this was 2005, obviously, I don't know if the players still enter and exit the same way as they used to. Um, but after the games, we would, we would always wait by the tunnel for all the players to come out and see if we could get autographs. Um, after the game, we went to the gift shop and this was before Ron Artest got traded and we were looking at jerseys. And I told my dad, I was like, I want to, I want to stream Jesse Cavage's jersey. My dad's like, Are you sure? Like, you don't want, you don't want a Ron Artest jersey. You don't want a Jermaine O'Neal jersey. I'm like, No, I want to stream Jesse Cavage's jersey. So I get a white stream Jesse Cavage's jersey. And if it was, if, <laughs> if my kids weren't asleep upstairs, I'd go up and get it. So we go out and we're walking out to whatever, the, whatever street that is where you're walking out with the old practice gym right there on the right, Pennsylvania Street. And typically, Pennsylvania. So as the as they're pulling out of the ramp, everyone turns left because that's the way the one way goes. Um, well, coming from the opposite direction, as it, instead of turning left out of the tunnel, it, they had already been pulled out, pulled up a um, all black Mercedes, and out of the out of the Mercedes, Jessica Cabbage just gets out of the Mercedes and he walks up to one of the security guards, and I was literally the only person standing there, and so I ran over and got him to sign my jersey. And I that's looked at awesome. my dad, I was like. Aren't you glad that I ended up getting that? <laughs> I've never heard of anybody having that jersey before, so that's incredible. And I remember I was getting <laughs> dogged <laughs> big time because I talked up that signing, you know, when I was 
younger. He's gonna be a, he's a European legend, this, and it was just, <laughs> just couldn't back it up, you know. And, and it was unfortunate. And uh, I think he might be like a successful coach now, or something in Europe, yeah. or or he was. But uh, you know, that was that was a great story, Jake. With FC Barcelona, either Barcelona or Real Madrid, one of the two, I think. One of those. One of those. Yeah. Well, just so you can go three for three, because we do have another winner from previous trivias to go three for three. So this will help you with your rankings in terms of facing off against other winners. So Jake, I will ask you the last question here for, you know, free agent signings, 2003, 2006, Indian acquired this point guard from the New Jersey nets in the summer of 2003 via free agency. Anthony Johnson. Okay. There we go. Didn't (laughs) even need any good stuff. Good stuff. Did you know that rooster? Yeah, I knew Anthony Johnson. You give me Zadrunas. Rotten cabbage. I've never even heard of it. <laughs> well, that's what you get for picking Fachi. You should have known the curse what? was real. You went with the wrong Why pick, would you pick Fachi over me? God. Man, lesson learned. Didn't think, but, I don't think it would have mattered either way because I didn't think uh, Jake was going to win. Well, Pacers playoff legend Anthony Johnson there dropping 40 uh, in the playoffs. So. 41 points. Yeah, yep, yeah. That, he, he had a, a little bit of a run. You know, it, it, was, uh, it was a good time while it lasted. But impressive stuff, Jake. Uh, rooster, you know, pretty much like the shrimp eating contest, you got one, so you know, <laughs> it, it, it didn't work out quite well this time, but we, you know, maybe we'll see you again down the line. I was, I was so pumped when I got the married with children question, and then you started out hot, you did. When Alex told me the categories, I'm like, oh, three to oh, six, I like literally stopped watching, like from the mouse of the palace, and Reggie retires. I pretty much didn't watch it until Paul George shows up. Hey, I want to thank the both of you for coming on. And Jake, we are definitely going to have you moving on uh, as the tournament goes on. You know, Rooster, uh, you know, gonna, maybe there'll I'm... be another bracket uh, one day. Yeah. You know, we'll see. But mm. regardless, you guys definitely both are, are, you know, diehard Pacer fans. Love seeing you, your guys' tweets out there. Always showing great support to the team, win or lose. But we just know these wins, they're just a lot more fun to celebrate. So we're happy to have you guys on after a win. The vibes could be a little bit better than what they would have been in a post Tyrese Halliburton Pacer Bowl with a loss to the Washington Wizards. That, that's not how you want to enter that realm. So I want to thank the Bowl for coming on, and uh, we look forward to you know, chatting with you both uh, again. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Or having yeah. us. Same. Of All right, fellas. We'll see you.